It's a peaceful protest. We walking, raising awareness. Some of the injustice that we've been seeing is not okay. And as a young person, you gotta you gotta listen to our perspective. Our voices need to be heard. People are gonna look back. Our kids are gonna look back at this and say, "You were a part of that." I got a grandfather that marched next to Dr. King in the '60s, and he was amazing. He would be proud to see us all here. We gotta keep pushing forward. Sports are like the reward of a functional society. Sirius XM Sports presents Forward Progress, a weekly open conversation on race and sports in America. Here are your hosts, Jason Jackson and Kirk Morrison. Welcome back to the program, and welcome back to Amin El Hassan sitting in for Kirk Morrison. Uh, Amin, great to have you back on the program. It's a NBA-heavy show, so this is actually uh, the perfect place. Our confluence of race and sports uh, will uh, will call for our expertise that usually is reserved for NBA radio, but right here across the many platforms, uh, this program. Uh, is locked into. It's great to have you with us again, man. Um, it's great to be back, especially given the big story of the day that's dominating from a you know social progress standpoint. Yeah, which is my former employer. We are going to dive deep inside the Robert uh, Sarver um, update uh, as we take this on Wednesday. Literally breaking as we were coming on the air to to tape. Uh, we'll get inside. Uh, a necessary adjudication for young Anthony Edwards uh, and uh, the very first black television play-by-play announcer in the history of the Washington Wizards, Chris Miller, will join us uh, as well. But let's get to that top story, uh, an announcement that as, I mean, you, you, we've turned to you, the nation has turned to you, quite honestly, as a former employee of uh, the Robert Sarver-owned Phoenix Suns, uh, as to how this could all roll out. And as we were breaking this down on the most recent episode of NBA Insiders, one of the realities is that the public, really public opinion and pressure within the community, particularly the basketball community, has in the past led to change. It hasn't been Board of Governors haven't even come to a vote. WNBA with Loeffler in Atlanta. Uh, Atlanta's scenario with Levinson and and uh, Donald Sterling all selling basically out of choice, but reading the room and realizing uh, when I'm in this unique billionaire club, uh, <laughs> it's tough when you're on an island in right. that room. And so uh, uh, let me give a couple paragraphs of this for folks that maybe haven't heard. Uh, mm-hmm. And this was a statement on Wednesday, September 21st, from Robert Sarver himself. Words that, that I deeply regret now overshadowed nearly two decades of building organizations that brought people together and strengthened the Phoenix area uh, through the unifying power of basketball, professional men's and women's basketball. As a man of faith, I believe in atonement and the path to forgiveness. I expected that the commissioner's one year suspension would provide the time for me to focus, make amends, and uh, remove my personal controversy from the teams that. I have the teams that I and so many fans love. But in our current unforgiving climate, it has become painfully clear that there is no longer, that is no longer possible, that whatever good I've done or could still do outweighs, is outweighed by the things I have said in the past. For those reasons, I am beginning the process of seeking buyers for the Suns and the Mercury. Uh, the, 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 we're kind of going all over the place and 
the rollout of the thought to get to selling. Um, what's your first reaction to those first few paragraphs? Preposterous. Preposterous that this man, and we went through this on NBA Insiders last Sunday, this man who vehemently denied ever saying any of this stuff, either verbally or in writing, attacked the credibility of Earl Watson, who was one of the named sources, attacked the credibility of the unnamed sources, attacked the credibility of Baxter Holmes, the man who wrote the ESPN uh, article about it, the expose, basically called everything lies and deceptions at a concerted effort from his organization, his president and CEO, his general manager, everyone, the state, this organization itself, all came out with statements saying about all of this is heinously fabricated. And then the story comes out, and it's a, and for him to dispute. Well, I disagree with some of the things in the story, and at that the 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 investigation unveils the investigation that he welcomed with open arms as the only way to clear my name. And then he basically disputes the investigation, and now here he is saying that words that I said near you know oh in the past things I did in the past. Jax, they had no less than five instances between 2004 and 2021. No less than five, including a couple that have players on the current team were, were presently on the roster for. This isn't something that happened in the 80s in a different time with different sensibilities. Not to mention the toxic work environment on the business side, particularly for women. This is all current stuff. He's making it seem like it's stuff that happened years and years ago. And, say, and he's blaming our current unforgiving climate. It ain't me. It's all of y'all is what he's saying. You're the ones who are unforgiving. And I'm not even allowed... To, to rehab. No, you're not. You're not. You're not. You're the owner of the team. You're held to a higher standard. You created this toxic environment. It's not anyone else's fault but your own. And I just found it to be, to the very end, he is who he is, ladies right. and gentlemen. That's who he is. There's no contrition. There's no remorse. There's only deny, deny, deny. He says, the first sentence, words that I now deeply regret. Words that you denied saying, Jax. Or initial, right, off the jump. He denied it. And rather than, he didn't say, I don't remember saying this stuff. Or I don't, I think some of this stuff is out of context. His initial response was, I never said any of this. All of this is untrue. All this is lies. Now you deeply regret it? Oh, so you remember it now. Okay. I can't get past the uh, butt in our current unforgiving I'm, climate. Oh my God. I can't, I like, I, I, there's a part of me that wanted to, when I opened the statement at first was, man, look, this was good. Bob read the room. He realizes he has to remove himself from this space and go off and just be away. And if, if you have all this great stuff that everyone wants, that even the commissioner was pointing out, 
that you've done and the progressive hiring and all these, all you'll be able to do those things as a 1%, maybe half of a percent wealth guy in America to continue to do those things, just not in this space. As you said, it's a different standard when you're one of 30 people on the planet to own a team in the greatest league on said planet. Um, Jack, let's get to I, I just, I just, I mean, real quickly, it's just yeah, take your time. It's this lack of it, it, that's the shocking part is that gotta own no it. Part of them, yeah, no part of them that 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 will accept responsibility for his own actions. And by the way, I want to be clear: he's not a stand-up comedian. He's not a director or a filmmaker. Right. He's not a music artist. Because those are people I think can say stuff like this and come out with a reasonable defense of, oh, this current unforgiving climate. Because you're making art. Sir, you're not an artist. You are a business owner. You are an employer. And perhaps most importantly in this case, you are a franchisee. Meaning how you run your business impacts how everybody else, including the franchisor, runs their business. Again, just this level of myopia in his statement is just, look, if that's how he wants to go out, that's up to him. That'll probably be the end, right? As long as the door slams behind you. Well, (laughs) that's that's, that's, to be seen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Before we get into prospects and things that may be coming down the road and uh, who who might be able to grab these two franchises or if they go in different directions as well. Uh, how do we go back and review the week that was? Commissioner Silver took a lot of hate on working within the parameters of what he can do. Mm-hmm. I mean, he went to the letter of the law and probably read the tea leaves because he's been through this a couple times of how this goes down. And just kind of, you know, probably some regrets for the press conference and trying to nuance something that's not nuanceable. But he's a lawyer and a thinker. And I'm sure uh, at, had his dealings with Robert that were probably more positive than negative. However, that, mm-hmm. he probably could see the route and go, I know where this is headed in the next year, uh, maybe if not the next 10 minutes. Jax, I went on Ethan Strauss's podcast this week, and I talked about that. I talk, I asked Ethan a question. I'm going to ask you the same question, Jax. We keep saying that he did what was allowed to him by the letter of the law because, in essence, Adam Silver is an employee of these 30 men and women sure. who own the franchises. If he wasn't an employee, if he was the true overboss. Like an autonomous Autonomous. I don't need anyone. You guys all answer to me. Right. Do you think he would act differently? I wonder. As in, he could levy any money and he could levy any money, any suspension. suspension. He went on the record and said that this didn't meet a lifetime ban as it pertains to the measurement of the Donald Sterling Mm -hmm. incident. That Donald Sterling stuff was at the end of the edge of the world of mm-hmm. disgusting and that needed yeah. to be that reserved for that. So there's a part of me that believes if he could go longer than a year, he might've. Uh, I think the money's always relative because you're trying to impact a billionaire. Right? <laughs> like, 
I tried um, to tell, I was telling my sons the other day, and I don't know how many billions Robert has. Let's just, let's just say it was one, right? And I know it's much more than that. Um, it's the equivalent of me having $1,000 in my pocket and you're asking for $10. It's like, yeah, I dropped that back there. It's already on the ground. <laughs> so go get it. It's yours. So it, it's, the, yeah. the level at which you could go, even if you were a floating deity of basketball, like how far are you going to go because you have other things that you have to adjudicate as well? Probably more than 10 million, but we're, I don't know how far that goes. Um, so I say all that to say that from what we know about Adam Silver and the way he's approached this job, he would have probably done more if he could do more. I don't know how far, though. That's the thing. I think if you levied a punishment that was too severe, that man was going to sue. If he sues, we get discovery. If we get discovery, we get everyone's dirty Absolutely. Money. If he goes outside and, the realm. And that's bylaws, bad yeah. for business. Yeah. It's Adam bad for Silver, the 29 other people, by the way. Exactly. Right? That's right. bad for business. Right. So Adam Silver, I know a lot of people were upset and like, how could you? But his first and foremost responsibility, above all else, is to protect and grow the business. Being morally correct in that, well, I find them a hundred million dollars and suspended him for 30 years. Yeah, good luck. Right? Let, let's just assume he doesn't have to answer anybody. He can do that. Yeah. He has the power to do that. He would have opened the Pandora's box of problems that could have destroyed, if not com- uh, very much debilitated, the viability and the profitability of the NBA. The end of the day, that's what he's protecting more than anything else, more than his own morals and his own values as a human being. Because I do believe that Adam Silver was appalled and disgusted by the findings in this investigation. But he's not acting as Adam Silver, private citizen. He's acting as Adam Silver, steward and caretaker of this brand. And that means you got to do what's best for the brand, even when that might upset some people in the media and on Twitter. So now there's a third layer of this. It's the process, right? And it's not just Robert Sarver going out and finding someone or someone calling in with their billions. Uh, this is a club, a club that uh, you have to get approval to be a part yeah. of. But think about how long um, the process in Minnesota just took, right? Yeah. Felt like three years and it's maybe it two like it's still full on, years. But still ongoing. Like, and, and it's still going on from a sense yeah. of changing over hands. Yeah. I think this is the last year. Um, that that the new ownership will finally grab full governorship, right? So you know the area. Let's start regionally. <laughs> Who feels right? Who feels good in in picking up what is a darling franchise right now? So the dream that many, many, many Phoenicians have had for I would say eighteen years is that one day Jerry Colangelo is going to come back back in yeah that jerry every time i think i'm out (laughs) i mean but jerry is you know he was one of the main reasons why we have a franchise here in phoenix sure uh he's one of the main reasons why the franchise didn't fold when tough times hit in the 80s uh he brought about a level of prosperity uh in the 90s brought charles and obviously he brought the diamondbacks to phoenix and brought a world series Jerry is beloved in this in this city. Absolutely. Everyone loves Jerry Colangelo, right? 
And there's always been a feeling that, like, Jerry's going to come back one day and save us. Mm. Save us from all of this. Now, there's two things that but I But at 1.52 billion in that range, right? It, it like, would, I mean, it would be Jerry fronting someone else's g- money. Gathering the group. Right? And by the way, Jerry is a king at that. Yeah. Like, you trust me with the cash. I, I will make all the decisions. And because of who he is and his track record, right. it, it, that tends to happen. Having said that, it is a lot of money, and also, Jerry's up there in age. He he gave up the USA basketball stuff. Uh, He's still doing the Hall of Fame stuff. He's still involved with Grand Canyon University here locally in Phoenix. I don't know how much more he can take on his plate at his age and what what a succession plan would have to be because there'd have to be one given his age. So... Probably not, Jerry, although I know that's the pipe dream that many people locally have had. A dark horse that I just provided on an Instagram Live that I did, Grant Hill. Now, Grant Hill obviously played for the Suns, uh, was very well loved locally in the community. Uh, Great human being. We've said this many a time. If you don't know this yet, then crawl out from under that rock. Grant Hill is the best among us. Grant Hill, when the Hawks were going up for sale, I believe tried to be part of a group that bought it, got outbid by the current ownership group, but I want to say they brought him in. They brought him in, right. Anyway, and so he's a minority owner there, but I know, I say this to say, I know ownership has been something that Grant Hill has wanted to do. And given his familiarity... Top of the marquee. Yes. Yeah. And given his familiarity, again, with the market, uh, his family is very familiar here, his... You know, his daughters grew up here. His wife, Tamia, the you know the 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 you know uh, platinum singer, you know she lived here. Um, they're familiar with the area, so I would imagine Grant Hill would at least be trying to put something together. Yeah, it'd be cool if he put the together big- an all like a like a players only group. By the way. Oh, I thought you were gonna say it'd be cool if you got me in on it. What? G- <laughs> little G- sweat Hill, equity. Little yeah, sweat, sweat equity, equity for you. I baby. sweat a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I sweat a lot. I was thinking him, uh, Shaquille, you know, Dwayne, like that whole yeah. crew that made tons of dough. They yeah. probably have to go get you know some extra money some to get money, to the money. right spot or some sweat or some sweat equity. Come and get you, Charles. Yeah. You know, Charles I don't know if is he's another ever one. Yeah. Right. Uh, the big rumor that I've been hearing for about a year now. Bob Iger, the former mm-hmm. pre- CEO of Disney, right. uh, someone who has said that he texts Chris Paul several times a week, mm-hmm. uh, constantly. Him and Chris Paul are, are very close. Mm-hmm. So Bob Iger obviously brings in big business behind them. I don't know. Again, I don't know how much personal wealth Bob Iger brings with him. Is it right. enough to to foot one point eight two billion dollars? Maybe, maybe not. Man, and man, then a lot of dough, and he knows where a lot is. You know, and he knows where a lot is, and that's yeah. the important part. Right. And then finally, Jax, and I said this on my Instagram Live as well. It's coming. And when I say it's coming, I mean Middle Eastern Persian Gulf money. Mm-hmm. They've, they've taken yeah. big-time soccer by storm. Paris Saint-Germain, uh, one of the richest clubs in the world, is owned by, a, a, I believe, an Emirati group. They've got... They've got they can argue that they've got three of the like three of the five best players in the world on their team. Mm-hmm. Straight cash, homie. They just went out and got them. Just laid down all cash. 
Yeah. So it, it it's not far fetched to say that at some point they're going to come for an NBA franchise. That would be an interesting conversation to have on this very program, by the way. Absolutely. And by the way, they do it Steve Ballmer style. How right. much is it worth? Two? Here's five. Here's what, yeah. And, well, and, and we'll, we'll get, we'll get your hands off those pearls immediately. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Let's take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, uh, a cool conversation with one of our favorites. Uh, making history in the nation's capital. Uh, the brand new television voice of the Washington Wizards, Chris Miller. On the program is Pioneering Stylings next on Forward Progress. You're listening to Forward Progress on Sirius XM Radio. It is my absolute pleasure to welcome to the program the television voice of the Washington Wizards, Chris Miller. First of all, congratulations. Thank you, Secondly, brother. welcome to the club. I beat you by a year. <laughs> and, uh, and I will say you're cheating because you call games on television and not radio. Uh, you have pictures to help. So yes. we, we'll get we'll get into the depths of all that later. What I think is most important is to pinpoint what's occurred in the in the number one seat, the play by play role over the last let's call it three years. The pandemic sort of covered up, but we all paid attention to it. Those of us that are practitioners of the surge of women yes. that received opportunities to play by play that hadn't before. God bless them and kudos. Mm-hmm. But what has happened also with Mark Jones in Sacramento, you in Washington, our uh, brother Grady in uh, now moving from the Nets, Michael's now the, the t- television voice for uh, the Timberwolves. Um, my movement from yes. our old jobs is hosting. Yes reporters to to the radio voice for the heat kind of started eric collins with the Hornets. Eric, listen yes. and eric was the one who planted a seed in me years ago that there was a responsibility yes for us to come off the desk mm-hmm. and off court side and at first i'm like man i like i like this job over here don't but you know what i've said all the time and i'm not, I'm not taking anything away from the role because it's critical it's still the third job right and i've always seen myself as a one guy and to have that responsibility and that role now, which I don't think I fully coveted, you do feel the difference. So welcome to the club. Thank you. It's uh, I was, first of all, honored to be a part of the Courtside Club. Come on, so man. Long. We did that for a while. So, Hashtag um, Courtside Club. I just kind of remember as a kid growing up in North Carolina watching James Brown, mm. Brian Gumble. Fred Hickman, I mean, the list goes on and on of people that looked like me that gave me hope that it was possible. And I remember my freshman year in college, I was a music major. And I was in the dorm room with some friends. And his name is Dale Foster. I'll never forget him. He was a sports journalism major. And we were talking about sports. And as he tells the story, I was rattling off just sports facts left and right, <laughs> killing them in the arguments. And the he, seeds were already in. And he told yeah. me, he said, Chris, you need to bag the music <laughs> and there's another path for you. I want you to come to my class the next day. And Jax, the next day I walked into that class and I listened to that professor and they were talking sports and it was as if 
God just gave me that message. Like I've been trying to tell you this, mm-hmm. but I'm going to show it to you. Right. And it was at that point where I decided, you know what? I'm going to get into this sports journalism thing. And a guy by the name of Mike King gave me my first break. And the reason why I'm telling you all this is like when I got the call from Bill Bell that I was going to be the new television voice of the Washington Wizards, I cried. And it is still kind of emotional today because I think about all the people that came before me and all the people that put their hands on me to help me get this job. And I stand on the shoulders of a lot of people. And I don't think people really kind of understand the responsibility this job is. You're just a television guy talking sports. But for somebody that looks like me that has been in this business for 25 years, this job means a lot to me. And when I see you and when you texted me and when Mark Jones texted me and when Eric Collins called me and. uh, It's special. I feel like. uh, I feel like we made it. Yeah. Does that make sense? No. Like, enti- Listen, when Paul Jones, uh, J- the Jones is mm-hmm. right. Paul Jones in Toronto, Mark Jones, ESPN and, and the Kings and, uh, and Gus uh, Johnson, both of them as uh, Gus now defined by television, but let's right. not forget radio for the Knicks. Yep. Right. Yep. Their passion for me making that transition and doing it right was unique. Man, I walked past Gus just to say hello. I've known Gus for 20 years just to say hello. What's new? Told him what was new. Mm-hmm. This gig. Mm-hmm. Man, he stood up and started calling a game that wasn't happening. Mm-hmm. Talking about floor geography and how different it is on radio. And how you have to master that for the fan. Paul's so proud that there's a full-time brother that is doing it. Yeah. He got cut to part-time. And that, that has to hurt. He yep. doesn't say it does, but that has to hurt. Yep. And so the oddness of what happens with Sportsnet and TSN in Canada, none of us deal with, mm-hmm. right? That's the equivalent of Disney and Turner in the United States. So right. there's two partners that don't like to work together, and that impacted his load. So his joy and appreciation for those of us that have moved to this place is something else. You and I have talked about responsibility. We'll talk about the responsibility of the role mm-hmm. in a second. Um, but the responsibility of how important do you believe it is just for a kid to see that this is an option? <laughs> that this is an option. Because the option is, yeah, music major. I get that. Yeah. Right? Hip-hop's killing it. Yeah. If you're going to be in the business of it or if you're going to be in the booth producing or if you're in front of the mic performing. Um, and then the people that we cover. They make all of the dough. Yeah. It's so much sexier. But <laughs> yeah. there might be a few more of these gigs around to teach young kids of color, young women. Yes, that first microphone can be yours if you'll do the work. I'm going to tell you why it's really still emotional me to this point. My oldest son is 28 years old, and he is a sportscaster in Denver, mm. Colorado. How about that? So when I think of kind of the responsibility that I had, you don't have to go far at your house. I think of him watching me all these years. Mm. You mm. know, the journey, man, yeah. I, I look, nobody gave me, I got, you know, I will say this. Someone gave me an opportunity right. and what I did with the opportunity has afforded me this opportunity. But I remember being in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. 
my first job out of school, making no money, but I'm raising this kid. You see, I'm a father when I was 19 years old. So to see him and take him to games and kind of see him watching what I did for a living. And when I wasn't home, my wife telling me, He's in front of the TV watching you all the time, just so that? you know. How about that? That's a responsibility. But I wouldn't have been able to take advantage of that opportunity if I didn't tell you what was happening before of people going, no, Chris, go over here. No, Chris, you need to go to this sportscaster's camp. Chris, you need to do this internship. You're not going to make any money, but it's going to pay off in the end. So when I tell young people today, don't go for the quick fix. Don't feel like as soon as you graduate from college, you want to go work in the biggest market. My son's first job was in Pascal, Washington. Come on, man. He went from Pascal, Washington to Denver, Colorado off of God's plan. And the plan was you are going to learn what it takes to shoot, produce, write, edit, deliver. And then when the time is right, somebody's going to call you. And now he's... He looks like Russell Wilson. Now he's covering <laughs> yeah. Russell Wilson. So with staff, with staff, with so people that, that, helping. That's kind of yes. like the journey. It is. Um, and it is. and you will you appreciate this. Uh, you and I have been friends for years, but I've always been a fan of yours because I would watch you from afar, and I'd look and say, "That guy looks like me. How can I be like that? Not him, but like that." And it's through the power of hard work. Yeah. Your journey is my journey. The television voice of the Washington Wizards. I just love saying it. Sounds it sounds weird. Chris Miller Brother, it sounds here. weird, but I'll take it. <laughs> He's with us here. It's the best. Let's talk about the role and how you want to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you have a little bit buffer from Buck Hans, who was larger than life and called it in that job love and him. called it. And you yeah. worked with him. Yeah. Uh, it can be a couple things, right? You can pat Summerall it. Right. Mm-hmm. And you subtle, you just call it. And there's a love and appreciation for that. Mm-hmm. Or you can be like our boy EC in Charlotte and blow the damn roof <laughs> off on every single play. And I love I, I find myself mesmerized by the energy and power that Collins comes after mm-hmm. and Gus before that. And I find myself kind of middling it. You know, I remember I got a, the, the best note I got from my boss, executive vice president of marketing for the Miami Heat, uh, Michael McCullough. Let big moments be big. Like, I'm coming in like an R&B singer. Yes. Right wing, jump shots. That's good. Let's head to the other end. Exactly. Uh, Pressure defense on the floor. And we'll be back on the Miami Heat audio experience. Man, he's like, you better come out. What you do is come out of your skin. So come out of it when it it calls for it. Have you begun to think about your voice and how you want to present this Beal-led basketball experience? I was blessed last season to get eight, eight opportunities to do it um, in weird situations. Again, it's God's plan. I did one game, ironically, on my birthday in a studio about a little smaller than this by myself. The analyst was in another studio. Mm. I did one game where I was at the arena. The analyst was in the studio. So there were several machinations of kind of learning how to do it. So it won't be that way this year, you know, knock on wood, that we're together. Drew Gooden, who has been a good friend of mine, it's just kind of weird how all this kind of all comes around. Right, My producer, my director, Rich Wolf, Chris Grain, I've been with them. This is our 16th year together. Drew Gooden and I have been friends since he was playing in Cleveland. We've been friends for at least 13 years. So they're kind of 
They've nestled me into a chair where I've got a lot of comfortable around me. Mm-hmm. Camera guys, the audio folks, everyone. I've been around um, this organization and this team for 15 years. So it's going to be a little easier for me. But as you know, because I've asked you for advice, I'm trying to be the best version of me in the first season. But I'm also understanding that this is a new this is a new way I'm going to do it. You know, I'm now responsible for two and a half hours of calling an action as opposed to doing a couple hits here, right. pregame, postgame. So I can only be me. Yeah. I'm a country boy from North Carolina <laughs> that can put a couple words together. Sure. But I love the game of basketball. I love covering this team in the previous capacity. Uh, but I can only be me. And it's going to, I don't know what this me version looks like in this new job until I do it, until I do it a quarter of a season, 20 games, 30 games. You know, I've asked people, you know, like, when do you hit your wall? When is the rookie, what's the rookie wall? Right. Cause I'm yeah. like trying to prepare myself for, but everybody's different. It's different. But and I it's know, mental for yeah, us, by the way. I can only be me. I, I really can only be me. And I feel like me is the reason why they put me in this position. So um, I do ask for a little patience, yeah. <laughs> but. Trust me when I say this, I'm all in. I'm in there like swimwear. Yeah, (laughs) I love it. I can't wait to hear it and watch it. You're here, so we got to talk a little basketball. Yes, sir. Just a couple things. Number one, uh, Coach Unsell. I root for him. Mm -hmm. I root for him. And there's so many things that have to weigh on him. Legacy, history, and then that hot seat, that number one seat. Mm -hmm. Uh, What is the expectation now that he's been able to see it all, Mm -hmm. got a full lap, feels it, has his weapon back. We'll talk about him in yep. a minute. Uh, what's your expectation? So last week, he and I just caught up. We hadn't talked since summer league. He basically had a whole month of August to kind of just, you know, he went to Africa. He Good did for some him. things. With, Good for he him. finally moved into his house. So, like, he's getting his <laughs> he getting his life situated, yeah, right? Yeah. I said, what was the one thing you learned about last season? He said, crisis management. How about that? And what he meant by that was, first of all, we had 29. life or in game? Probably both, but okay, I would gotcha. probably think more basketball. Gotcha. He gotcha. said, you know, first of all, the Wizards had 29 different players in Ooh. uniform last season. Ooh. So he was like, there were times. I remember telling you the Miami game was a perfect one. Um, It was late December. We were down in Miami and literally COVID hit. And there were like four or five guys that literally just came to town. He had no idea who they were. One of the guys didn't even have shoes. Right. University of Miami was nice enough to yeah. lend this player some shoes. So How about that, crisis. shout out to Coach Larinaga. Thank you, Coach Larinaga. <laughs> so up. it's he learned how to just deal with crisis. Okay, right. I got to talk to the medical staff. Who's available? Who's even here? Right. Um, my best players hurt. We just made a trade. So all of those things, I think, was baked into him learning that moving that one chair over, like you said, is it weighs on you. But I think this year. This team, roster construction-wise, makes more sense than it's probably made sense to me since the Wall Beal era and what they were trying to build around those two young players. So that was probably, John was traded a couple years ago. I would say the 14 to 17 seasons, this team now makes more sense to me than that one because now you've got Beal and Porzingis. They've never played together, by the way. Kyle Kuzma is their third option. Rui Hachimura has taken a major step this offseason. I'm not putting a lot of expectation no, on him. No, but good for him. But he, right. he looks like 
oh, okay, I've seen rookie now third year. What do you look like? Denny Avdia had a chance to play in Eurobasket, getting some experience. So they have some players now, and then they went and got Monty Morris. They went and got Will Barton. They got some dogs. They got DeLon Wright. So now those three guards are veterans that have had some serious playoff experience. Now you kind of put them next to Brad, but everything starts with Beal. Come on. That's where I'm going to take you now. Chris Miller, television voice of the Washington Keep Wizards saying, here on the program. Money for the- Keep <laughs> saying it. Uh, I do not begrudge him staying and taking that Brinks truck. All that money. At all. And I take it from Carmelo. Carmelo had explained it to us because he took the bigger deal when the Wades and James and Boshes were sizing themselves up for year seven. And we know that what that turned yes. into was glorious. But he always shows but, me his rings, by the way. But all three of them, you'll see them <laughs> on occasion. The, the, the idea of where you come from and what you impact, right? And Bradley impacts lives in a way that he doesn't trumpet, mm-hmm. but it's life changing. Um, I stopped begrudging people focusing on uh, their historical wealth and how they're going to deal with that because I hear the voice of Carmelo Anthony's mother that said to him during negotiation, don't you ever turn down the money people offer you for this skill set. Hmm. Yeah, Hello? I, I cannot be Hello? mad at him. Right? Matter of fact, I, I actually applaud him. You take him. all that. I applaud him Yeah, because what he's really saying is if we ever figure this out yeah and there is a parade down pennsylvania (laughs) avenue he's going to be there (laughs) all he has to do is look to the crowd and go how you like me now because he didn't chase it he brought it to him and i think he's he's a remarkable young man like i knew draft night it was his birthday. Just talking to him, he is just an old spirit, right? Jax, you know what that means. He's a young soul. Right. He's just – he can hang in the grown-up table. Right. Um, he's Not very always mature. silly, thoughtful, yeah. connective, aware. But I, I appreciate yeah. that he said, no, nah, I'm, I'm going to stay here. I, I'll take all the money. Thank you very much. Yeah. But if we ever can get this thing going and we do something special – then what are they going to say about me then? I got yeah. the money and we won. And we did it here. Drafting, developing, retaining is really, really important. And for me, too, I love to see it. It's like you you, you brought it up through the mud. You you earned it um, instead of chasing. And I get it. Society, we want microwave stuff. Me, I still like my collard greens to take five hours to cook. Okay? <laughs> I'm just, I, that's just me. I, because it just takes and take your time washing. Take them. your time. Take your time washing. The ham hocks taste better. Yes, they, they fall do. off. That's just me. I don't want no canned yeah, collard yeah. greens. Yeah. I want my stuff to be yeah. cooked and with love. Regionally sound, my man. Thank you so much for taking the my time. Brother. I appreciate Thank you. you. Congratulations. Thank so you. happy Thank you for so you. Much. Thank and uh, I look forward to our four battles. That are required in the Southeast Division. Well, brother, two of them are going to be Thanksgiving weekend. <laughs> That's so true. Guess, that. guess who's going to be at the Jack's house for Happy Thanksgiving? Happy holidays. <laughs> Thanks for the time. As forward progress continues, uh, it's an all NBA theme in this edition of the program. Uh, not the type of story we wish 
we had to tell, but it has to be done. Anthony Edwards find a great deal of money for being thoughtless. We'll share that story and the adjudication as we continue here on the program. You're listening to Sirius XM Radio. Radio. We now return to Forward Progress. Here's Jason Jackson and Kirk Morrison. Thanks for staying with us all the way through Forward Progress. Our last stop, we remain in the NBA. I will be very clear about this. Uh, when the social media clips from Anthony Edwards observing a group of gentlemen on an evening and, and having uh, really thoughtless anti-gay comments roll out. I at first thought, okay, I'm watching a spoof here. I'm watching someone trying to Do a voiceover get Anthony Edwards thrown under the bus. But yeah. uh, it, unfortunately, it, it was not that. He has been fined $40,000 for using offensive and derogatory language on social media. This happened uh, Tuesday of this week announced by the NBA. So those that aren't familiar, Edwards made anti-gay comments while observing a group of people. I believe it was all men standing on a sidewalk during a video post uh, on Instagram story last week. The video was deleted, so no chance to go back and get it. But um, NBA security can. Uh, the video, uh, Edwards acknowledged that his ox actions in that video were inappropriate. He issued an apology. Uh, and, and, he, and I think he hit the number one thing that's at play here. I've learned a couple things about him. And I was turned off by him initially. I thought he was super immature, way too cool for school. Started to listen to people who are around him every day. That there's kind of a wry, dry sense of humor that he's far more connective and engaging. But I think he said the thing that was most important in his apology. Um, and, and, it's, and it's assigned to being 21. What I said was immature, hurtful, and disrespectful, and I'm incredibly sorry. Top of the list, mm -hmm. immature. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm going to be very honest. We're going to do a little bit of a curtain pullback. The black community doesn't deal with homosexuality well, homosexuality well within the community, particularly in southern homes, uh, mm -hmm. rural homes. They, it, it just uh, My grandmother used to say something that resonates with me to this day is that uh, being black was too hard to worry about people's sexual orientation, mental health. And it's a very older thought that did apply probably profusely in the 40s and 50s, 60s before even the civil rights fight began. Mm -hmm. People were people, same-sex dynamics, every letter in the alphabet that we have now to identify people's sexual awareness. That all existed. existed it just yeah. was not discussed. It was not dealt with. It wasn't even welcomed well within our own community. And so I think about Edwards, I think about where he's come from, I think about his background, and just not enough learning, understanding, training at that age. I'm not laying down excuses at all, but my disappointment I'm trying to put in the right place in the sense of who he is and what he seems to be as a, as a purveyor on the court, someone who has extended his art into acting a little bit and, and trying to become emerge one of the young stars of this league, uh, there's an opportunity for him to emerge and and really be better from this. But it, it really keys on his growth as a human being. 
Yeah, it's a, it's disappointing, and obviously it, it, there's no place for language like that. Having said that, I cannot help, and I know I should not do this, Jax, but I cannot help compare and contrast the statement of this 21-year-old young man who said something terrible, owned up to it, recognized the folly of his ways, and apologized without caveat or loophole versus the 50-some-year-old man that we started mm. the show with mm. who had multiple, 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 multiple transgressions and instead all the way deny deny attack those who have exposed this deny admit to it but not to all of it zero contrition and at the end blame everybody else right this unforgiving climate compare and contrast those two things i had a caller i was on the on nba radio this week we had a caller who called in we're talking about the age limit and he said i I hope the nba raises the age limit because these kids come in the league and they've got no sense they got no sense they go to college for two or three years They'll get some more sense. They'll come back mature, and they won't make some of these mistakes. And as I was telling the call, that's ridiculous, and there's no evidence of any correlation between those two things. I had one of my colleagues text me, and he said, college didn't seem to do Robert Sarver any good. Mm. If if college is supposed to cure us of this. No, man, this type of stuff, right, your awareness of being hurtful and disrespectful occurs well before your 21st birthday exactly this is is not a it's not yeah it's not a function of age or education it is a function of experience true worldliness as you said you know anthony edwards comes from a very very meager background you know slept on the floor you know was adopted by his high school coach i believe at one point so he could live closer to the school that he went to um and again these are not excuses but they're explanations, and it's all about someone who made a mistake and has admitted to the mistake and wants to be better. We, I re, I'm reminded of Tim Hardaway Sr., who just was in trouble. I hope they connect. Time, I mean, that, that was yeah. in my mind. I hope that they connect because Tim did the very hard work after being yes. thoughtless and hurtful to immerse himself in the gay community and understand really what – is true and is in place rather than these things that you hold as a man trying to climb out of meager and challenging circumstances in there. And city. never, never blaming anyone other than himself, holding himself accountable. That's the, that's the takeaway. I wish that for Anthony Edwards. I, I really do. I hope there's a connect yeah. there. And if not, and it's cause it's not required that he at least takes on a greater responsibility beyond just the apology um, to do work in the community to just for, for his own self just learn and understand and grow and be better uh that is all the time we have for this program i mean we always appreciate you coming in and pitch hitting partner anytime anytime you'll have me. come on it might be the next time you never know we appreciate <laughs> it otherwise we'll uh chit chat on nba radio as we do every sunday 10 a.m eastern time uh 7 a.m out west for our producer pernell brown That's Amin Alhassan. I'm Jason Jackson. Thank you so much for swinging by. We'll talk to you next time on Forward Progress. Forward Progress is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give us a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts.